0: For since the beginning of the world, men have not heard nor perceived by the ear, neither have the eye seen, or hath the eye seen, O God, beside thee, what he hath prepared for them that wait for him. What he has prepared for them that wait for him. No one has seen it. No one has known it. The, the greatness of it, the splendor of it, the enormity of it. Uh, I heard uh, Benny Hinn say the other day, he said, um, um, God has provided like this ocean of blessing and people are just dipping it out with a small utensil, something like that. <laughs> and I thought, you know, that's a really good illustration that, that the blessing of God is like the ocean. And so many times we just take a little ladle. And we say, okay, Lord, I know that you're a good God, and you're just going to bless me, that you have blessed me. Uh, but Jesus said, nothing shall be impossible to him that believes. Nothing. What does that include? Everything. <laughs> nothing includes everything. <laughs> no- <laughs> Maybe I'm in one of those moods today. <laughs> Nothing shall be impossible. That means you got to think of, in your, your life situation right now, what seems impossible. And why does it seem impossible? Well, because you're measuring according to man's ability and not God's ability. Because with man, it probably is impossible. With man, there probably is no way. But I like to take, that, take those thoughts and turn them on my reasoning ability and turn them for sure on the devil. And just say, well, wait a second you know what, there, there is no way this could happen. There is no way for this to come to pass. Uh, I've tried everything and it's not working. But God. But God. In other words, uh, those thoughts that try to... Uh, the devil will work through thoughts that he puts in your mind and images that he brings back to you and images that he uh, causes to come before you. Imaginations, vain imaginations even. You know, uh, he'll use your own vain imaginations and trip you up. So the devil to a believer has no authority in your life because Jesus took that authority. He is the God of this world system. And the second that you become a child of God, the second that you're born again and you become a new creature in Christ Jesus, the world system is not your God. We are in the world but we are not of the world. Now, people take things to extremes and they make mistakes, so the disciples who uh, were with Jesus in his earth walk, uh, they heard him talk about this, and and they said, well, are you telling me that uh, right now, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel, is what they're saying. You know, like, what country am I going to be over? (laughs) You know, what region am I in charge of? You know? They're all thinking, Jesus said, no, 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 you're thinking in natural terms. So uh, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers, the rulers of the darkness of this world, spiritual wickedness in high places. In other words, there are influences in the world that are coming against you whenever you're acting in faith, and many times even when you're not, but you're not too much of a threat when you're not acting in faith. So some people say, like, I just want to become a Christian so all my problems are over. (laughs) No, you become a Christian, number one, because God loves you and paid the price for you, and he wants you in his family, and he doesn't want you to be a slave to sin any longer. Because whether you realize it or not, uh, if you're not born again, you are a slave to sin, and what's, what's horrible is to be born again and still be a slave to sin. That you let these, these things um, rule you and reign over you. Well, the devil doesn't have any power except what we give him. And how do we give him power? Well, uh, he'll put a thought uh, in your mind. Or he'll cause... Uh, let's turn over to Psalm chapter 1 real quick. Psalm chapter 1. Thank you, Lord. This is kind of... <laughs> I normally do uh, Joshua 1.8 and Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 through 4. Uh, my own meditation, I, I love those. Because when I, when I have a desire, uh, I'm stirred on the inside to meditate, I think of Joshua 1, eight. This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you should meditate in it day and night. Yeah. Well, then when that's stirring in me, and that's something that the Lord is stirring in me, yeah. and so then I'll go over to Psalms chapter 1, blessed is the man. In other words, when that when the Lord starts to, uh, I start to get a little bit of light, a glimmer of light on something, or direction, or you could call it a word from the Lord, or it just kind of comes up, uh, um, your attention is drawn to something. Those are all the ways that the Lord would uh, direct you. Paul said, it seemed good to me in the Holy Ghost. He didn't say the Lord even told me. I mean, other times he did. Why? Well, the Lord's going to speak to you in many ways, and sometimes it's just, it seems good to me. You know, it seems like we should do this right now. It seems like we should pray for so-and-so right now. It seems like. Well, Paul said that. So, So when it seems like meditation comes up in me like this, like, you know, the, the I shouldn't, I, I want to say the thought comes from a natural way, but it's not like that. It arises in my spirit. And so uh, about meditation, well, then I'll many times go over and read Joshua one eight and then Psalms chapter 1. But even if I don't read it, I'll quote it or I'll mutter it. Well, why do I do that? Well, I kind of unconsciously started doing that just led by the Lord. But, you know, Faith's confessions create realities. So if I believe, if God is saying that to me, and then I say it back, by, by reading it out loud, or just by saying it out loud to myself, even if I'm meditating it, muttering it, so I'm kind of doing it in a, not a demonstrative way, but in a, in a quiet, calm sort of way, I'm creating that reality. You understand, like the Lord's stirring me to meditate in the Word, but then I I get that Word and I chew on that same Word that He's given me. Well, that creates a very solid ground for me to act on. And that creates the reality of that in me. What is the reality of that? Well, uh, prospering in those areas. So, Psalm chapter 1, verse 1, blessed is the man, of course that's mankind, that's man or woman, that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Well, this is why I want to read this, because the Lord pardon of me. Sometimes we are just putting ourselves in the wrong place. Because here we see That you're blessed if you don't do this. (laughs) So you're blessed if you don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Well, what is walking in the counsel of the ungodly? Well, that is taking counsel that ungodly people are giving you. That doesn't say evil people, that doesn't say people with bad intentions. But you know, if you're not born again, if someone's not born again and they're not acting according to the word, if someone, even if they are born again and they're not directing you according to the word, uh, you can't have abundant life in doing that. You can't have the blessing of the Lord in doing that. So walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. So you're blessed if you don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Or stands in the way of sinners. One of the things that, is that, that I love about this verse one is that first he says, You're walking among them. And as you're walking, so I just get a, a mental picture of I'm walking, and then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, Wait, what, what are you talking about? So now I'm standing there. And the next thing I'm doing, if I continue to do that, do I need to switch mics? Is then I'm like sitting. So just get that picture. Like, so, so first you kinda, you're going through your normal life, things are going on, and like you're not paying you know, any attention. And then somebody's talking about such and such. And it kind of entices you a little bit. So you stop and you, you listen as you're walking. And then if you let it entice you too much, you're going to kind of stop and ponder it. And then you might say, well, well, tell me a little bit more about that. So you're sitting. I'm not saying you're ungodly, but... If the shoe fit, no, I'm kidding. She's very godly. (laughs) I love you. (laughs) Blessed is the man that does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sit in the seat of the scornful. You know, the way uh, Psalms uh, uh, 119 talks so much about in the way that the godly are in the way of the Lord. That doesn't mean he's trying to go somewhere and we're blocking him. <laughs> it's the way, the way of the Christ's life. And so this is the way of the ungodly life. And so you're not want to stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful. If you do that, you are giving the devil abundant opportunity. See, words are seeds. So I can plant seeds into your life. And I believe God to plant seeds that come from his word and are anointed of his spirit every time that I minister to you. Why? Because that will produce after its own kind. My opinion and my thought really doesn't matter too much to you. Because it's probably not going to produce very much in your life. And I have nothing to back it up except for what little strength I have. <laughs> but if I give you the word of God... but so, so your words are very powerful. And other people's words are very powerful. Because in a, in a great sense, you become what you behold. You know, there's a guy that... Uh, I don't like this story, but... It came up in my spirit. There's a guy that um, uh, lived in the Southwest, and uh, he retired from uh, teaching in university. He was a professor there, and he was a criminal taught criminal criminal psychology in the university. And he retired. And when he retired, uh, I guess he had extra time on his hands. A lot of retired people I know are pretty busy. (laughs) I heard somebody said to me one time, they said, I'm going to go back to work so I have more time. (laughs) they retired. You know, you have all those kids, and all those kids want to, you know, some of your time. They're like, you're retired. Okay. And so, um, but he got out his old books, and he started reading about the criminal mind. Actually, it was a criminal, and the particular book he was reading was The Criminal Sexual Predator. Well, he started molesting little kids at the park. And he called, and he wanted, this is when Lester Summerall was still alive, he wanted Lester Summerall to uh, come and cast devils out of him or something. But he, it's so weird to me, I don't understand. Uh, There's some some things about the previous generations I understand, some things I don't. But he said, well, it's kind of a long way up here, why don't you go down to Oklahoma to see Brother Hagin? So he came down to see Brother Hagin, and Brother Hagin said, well, I can help you. He said, but uh, if I uh, cast these Uh, devil's out of you," He said, it's not going to be any time before you're going to be in a worse state because you need to change some things. He said, well, you do what I tell you. And he said, well, yeah, I will. And um, he said, uh, first burn all those books. You get rid of those books. He said, second of all, you need to pray in tongues at least 30 minutes a day, and you need to read the word at least 30 minutes a day. Well, long story short, he did. He was set free, and a year later, he's just wonderful. His wife was going to divorce him and didn't, and they're back and happy and all that type of stuff. Um, But the point is, it really matters what you're allowing into your heart and what you're putting before your eyes because it can really affect you. So you just think about things that are maybe not, hopefully, not as extreme as that. But people kind of start feeding on a certain path. And before you know it, you're not walking anymore. You're standing there. And next thing you know, you're sitting there. And then you're actually one that's counseling. You're an ungodly counseling. So it's really important that our meditations are from the word of God because it will produce after its own kind. So if I'm going to sit there and meditate on this disease that I have been diagnosed with and I'm going to make, make that my main meditation, well, then I better do a lot of studying about what medical science can do about this because that's the direction that I'm headed. Because those are the seeds I'm planting. What does that mean? Well, I've just got a bigger crop of what medical science says about this than the crap of what God says about it. So if I'm going to try and eat on that and sustain myself on that, well, I'm going to have a lot of food of what medical science says. I'm going to have a little food of what God says. What does that mean? I'm going to have a little faith in God and a lot of faith over here. What does that mean? Well, that means I better trust, put my trust in mankind because, uh, fully because I don't have enough faith in God. Uh, Some people are not in a position to receive healing. Now, healing is very true, and it is a reality. But if you have more faith in doctors, and you want to have more faith in in what God said, so you're just going to say, like, well, I'm just going to stop taking medicine or stop doing this or whatever, and it's a critical condition, you'll probably die. Because you have to feed your faith on the Word of God. You strengthen your faith. It doesn't have to take a long time. But that has to be your primary and then you act based on what God said. Yeah, yeah. In other words, you turn your hope into faith. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're acting on hope, it's just a hope. Mm-hmm. Which is better than no hope. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. though, when you don't have hope, <laughs> I'm not trying to be funny. It's a bad time to be funny. But you're hopeless. <laughs> there, in other words, there's nothing that really, can really help you because you have no hope from, from, from the Lord. Because you have no hope in him. So now faith is the substance, Hebrews 11, 1, of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, so you have to have hope, uh, the evidence of things not seen. So the devil will gain access to us through any number of ways. So he'll, he will um, use our daily interactions, what we're going through, and things that good-meaning people would tell you or would say. And it doesn't mean uh, even, you know, people that are not born again are not. Most people I have met, and maybe I've just been very blessed, I know there are some people that act in very evil ways, but when you really get to the bottom of most people's heart, people, people don't have bad hearts. They just have lots of hurts that they cannot overcome. They don't know how to overcome. They're reacting out of that. You know, uh, people with road rage have many other issues. (laughs) Well, what I'm trying to say is just because grandma said something that's really good, and grandma was the sweetest lady you ever know, if she's not giving you the word of God, it cannot produce after the word of God. You have to have that seed planted. So it's really important what we, what we let in. And um, when you yield to the flesh, then you give the devil opportunity. Otherwise, the devil really doesn't have many opportunities. He's just going to try and bring things your way. You know, like that lady, Brother Hagin, always talked about that um, she was a very beautiful woman and had a very beautiful, beautiful voice, and she was a pastor's wife minister herself in her own right. And um, these thoughts kept coming to her. You've been cheated in life. You're a beautiful woman. You could have fame and fortune in the world. And the Lord actually talked to him about her and said, you know, initially when those thoughts came, she said, get behind me, Satan. And that spirit left and came back for a more opportune time and came back. But he said, by and by, that spirit came, and finally she started to entertain that thought. When she started to entertain that thought, then she kind of ended up becoming obsessed with it. And he said she was beautiful, and she had a great voice. I'm not going to tell the whole story for the sake of time, but the thing about it is, she was intrigued by that, and she let that get a hold of her. The devil didn't have any power to do that. But he has the power to bring memories and thoughts, all these things, you know. Brother Higgins used to always say, and so I picked it up myself, is, um, you know, you can bring a picture, but that does not exist, you know, of a mistake or a failure that you made. say, devil, well, you can bring a picture, but that does not exist. That was cleansed by the blood of Jesus. That's not, he he had (laughs) one of his friends when he got born again. See, you, you take and you do the word, and you speak the word that's in your heart. So when Brother Hagel was like 16, so well he would have been 17 or 18 years old actually. Uh, and um, one of his friends came back to him he, and he said one of the talents he always had was he could unlock any lock, he could pick any lock. And so when he was younger, he had uh, the boys had convinced him to pick the lock of the drugstore, I think it was, so they could go in and steal candy. Well, he didn't go in and steal candy, but he picked the lock. So he might as well have. I mean, he basically did. And so one of his friends, after he was born again, came to him and said, you remember when we we went up there and did that? And he said, he looked at him kind of stone-faced, like, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, the man that did that is dead. He's like, and he, of course, had been on the bed of sickness. He's like, I know you were sick, but you didn't die. He said, no, he said, I'm a new creature. The man who did that doesn't exist anymore. Well, you know, he just right away began confessing the word. Why? He was thinking those thoughts. He's like, yeah, the person who did that, that's not me. You're looking at me. I may look the same on the outside, but I have had a life change, complete new life on the inside. So that's not me. That was the old man that did that. This new man has never stole anything or never picked a lock. He did later because he'd travel to pastors' houses and pick the lock and go in and write a note and say, Why don't you ever stay home? (laughs) One of his favorite things is he'd like to come up and pinch you really hard right here just so you wouldn't, so you'd scream. He liked to tease. But since the beginning of the world, men have not heard or perceived by the ear, neither has the eye seen, O God, beside you, what you have prepared for him that waits on you. So the Lord has prepared for each and every one of us, and not just us here, but every person that's alive, things that we can't even comprehend Like it reminds me of Ephesians chapter three prayer, you know, exceeding abundantly above all you could ask or think. Or imagine one translation says, that's pretty good. I'm a thinker, so I'll stop and think about that sometimes. I'm like, (laughs) how big could I think? And then I'll think like, well, I could think. He said that, so I'm going to think like real big. But he said it's bigger than that. It's more than what I could ponder up. And God wants to do some of those things in your life. He wants you to dream again. He doesn't want your the dreams that you've had in your heart for life experiences or things that the devil brings at you to try to cap you and stop you. But the devil wants to defeat you. And if he can defeat you in the thought realm, well he's got you. Why? Don't even try. You shouldn't even try. You're too old. You don't have enough money. You don't know enough. You don't have enough education. Education's wonderful as long as you bring it under the lordship of Jesus Christ. You need education. (laughs) But you don't need education to dominate you. Either abundance of or lack of. Lillian Yeomans was a medical doctor, and uh, she ended up ministering divine healing more than medical practice. But then I've had friends that, uh, well, one particular uh, friend was a paramedic, and man, for years that tripped him up because he looked at everything from a medical standpoint. And so it was really hard for him to receive from what God was saying. Actually, till he got a hold of um, Andrew Womack's teachings. And man... Andrew Walmack really ministered to him, not personally. Well, I guess they, you know each other personally, because whatever, but anyhow, uh, initially not personally, just through the seeds of the Word of God and the anointing that's on his life, so that this man then could receive the seed of the Word of God. And it became a more life to him than what all the knowledge that he had learned. Praise the Lord. Mark eleven 23. 22. Have faith in God, Jesus said, for verily I say unto you that whosoever will say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things that he says will come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. Therefore, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you'll have them. Now, I'm going to repeat a little bit what I did earlier this morning, just because that's what the Lord put on my heart. But he said, verse 24, whatever I say to you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. Where is that desire at? That desire is in your heart. What things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them. So, necessarily, what you're saying isn't automatically what you're desiring. But yet, what you're saying, you're creating what you're going to have through the words of your mouth. So, what I said this morning was, I said, you know, I'd really like sometime just to record what I'm saying to find out if I'm saying what I think is in my heart. Because it seems so many times that we judge other people according to what they do and what they say, and we judge ourselves according to what's in our heart. So then my question is, is what's in my heart what's on my lips? Because if what's in my heart is right, and that's on my lips well, then my path is straight. Then things are going to go well. But, um, you know, when I was in my 20s, I just thought, well, of course I'm saying what's on my heart. Well, now that I'm in my 40s, I find out, well, you're not always saying what you think you're saying. And if I am saying what I think I'm saying, are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing my heart? Because you may hear my words, but it might not be my heart. And that could be your problem, or that could be my problem. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm talking about humility. Because God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And so, um, Jesus said, I say unto you, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you'll have them. What things? The things that you desire. So the things that are in your heart. With the heart, man believes. Well, what? Well, verse 23, whoever shall say to this mountain, whoever will command this mountain, and keep saying that same thing, and they'll have whatever they command. Literally, that's what he's talking about. Like it's a lifestyle. Well, when you pray, you still have to say it. You still have to declare it. You still have to make it so with your words. And so Jesus said, I'm telling you, whatever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive it and you'll have it. In other words, make your words words that you believe. What what does verse 23 say at the end? Not doubt in his heart, but believe that those things that he says will come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. So what is that? You just have to believe that what you say comes to pass. How in the world could you believe that what you say comes to pass? Well, the only way I know to do that is that I'm saying what God said. And that to me is verse 22. Jesus said, have faith in God or lay hold on the faith of God. Well, what, what is that? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God or faith comes by hearing the rhema of God, uh, Romans ten seventeen says. So uh, God gives you something. He's speaking to you. Not, not, not Most of the time, it's not like... Um, It's an inward witness. It's not like a regular, uh, if I were to just speak to you right now, but an inward witness, or it seems good to me, understand we're talking about this, still small voice. Then when he speaks to me, that gives me something that I can speak and cause to come to pass. Then what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. In other words, I believe that I have it. My faith gives substance to it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. One translation actually says faith is giving substance to things hoped for. Now, I want to read this to you. I've been wanting to read this to you for like three or four weeks, but it, didn't, um, it wasn't the right time. And this is from um, E.W. Kenyon, and I just think he said it so wonderfully, so I'm just going to quote him. He said, realization can only follow confession. We walk in the light of our testimony. The word becomes real only as we confess its reality. Satan fears our testimony. If we confess something with your mouth, it reacts upon your heart or your spirit. We confess what we are in Christ, then we act our confession. If we confess our fears, they will rule us. If we confess the dominion of disease, it asserts its lordship over our bodies more fully. If we confess our freedom that the Son has made us free, God makes that confession a reality. When we realize that Jesus met defeat and conquered it, and we dare to make that confession, defeat and failure lose their dominion over us. Do you understand what he's saying? So you feel like you're being defeated. You feel like you can't go any longer. Uh, Again, the way I do this in my own life, sometimes I'll I'll say that out loud to myself. I feel like I can't go any longer, but the Lord is the strength of my life. In other words, I have to sometimes get that feeling off of my chest. So I'll just take and be like, okay, I'll turn the tables on it. Thinking faith thoughts and speaking faith words leads the heart out of defeat into victory. Did you ever notice that? The whole atmosphere around you, sometimes you wake up and the whole atmosphere around you is defeat or like a horrible day. This is going to be a bad day. (laughs) It's going to be a really bad day. Have you ever tried saying in the midst of those feelings, saying this is going to be a good day. Something good is going to happen to me today. God is on my side. The blood of Jesus is working on my behalf today. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You, You know, you can praise yourself right into victory before your day even starts, and you should every day. We confess his word, or when we confess his word, he watches over it to make it good, but there is no action on the part of God without our confession. If you don't believe that, how do you get born again? If you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. God confessed, let there be light and there was light. Abraham repeated that in Romans chapter four. He said, uh, by faith, God created the worlds. What? He believed it, and he said it, it, and it came into being. Christianity is called the great confession. The redemption never becomes a reality until we confess it. Few seem to grasp this fact. There is a grave danger in our making a wrong confession, a wrong affirmation. We confess our fears and doubts. That gives Satan dominion. We uh, we confess our sickness, and that confession binds our will as captive and holds us in absolute slavery. We confess want and lack of money, and want comes like an armed man and holds us in bondage. I just thought, I can't say it better how he's saying it, so... We confess lack of ability in the face of the fact that God said he was the strength of our life. These confessions of failure shut shut the father out and let Satan in. Give him the right of way. These confessions repudiate the word of God. They honor Satan. What should we confess? Well, we should confess the word of God that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. One translation, my favorite translation says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. You ought to say every day, uh, Psalm 23, you ought to confess it. The Lord is my shepherd, I have no want. I have no lack. I do not lack for ability, I do not lack for opportunity, and I never lack for money. You believe that and speak it. It'll show up in your life. You have what you say. And in great measure you are what you say. Sometimes your greatest enemy is your own your own stinking thinking. Well, they said this, they said that don't anybody like everybody poker face right now. What are you saying about yourself? What are you thinking about yourself? So, because, in other words, you have to back up because what you're saying is what you're thinking. So you're first thinking it. You're first, like we started, you're first meditating on it. You're chewing on it. So you face a situation and you have made a failure. You've made a mistake. Maybe it's a small mistake. Maybe it's such a big mistake. You feel like it's a devastating mistake. What are you doing with that thought? Where is the lordship in that thought? Are you the lordship of that thought? Are you the end? Because of what you did, you're more powerful than the blood of Jesus. Well, you'd never, uh, We would never consciously say, think that, but we do act that sometimes. You don't allow those thoughts to stay for a second. What do you do? Well, what I do is I just start to magnify the blood of Jesus because for me, that always sets me free. Because no matter what I think I have done that's good or I have done that's bad, it just pales in comparison to the power of the blood of the only begotten Son of God. The blood of Jesus has redeemed your life. Has, God has forgiven you freely. So don't miss that. But don't stop there. Because they were forgiven in the Old Testament. Under the new covenant, we have actually been redeemed. And our sins have been completely removed, not just covered over. So I use the example of a house with a bunch of layers of paint. You can still, Jessica taught me because she used to do historic, I think she still does, historic building restoration. Well, you can go find every layer of paint that was there. Because when they restore these old buildings, a lot of times they want to have the original paint. So you couldn't tell because it's all painted over. But if you go under the surface, it's there. That is not Christianity. In Christianity, if you could peel back the outer layer of paint, it's fresh and new and just as holy and righteous as Jesus is. Hallelujah. So that we have the same rapport with God as Jesus. So that when we come and we ask the Father for something, it's ten- it is the same as Jesus doing it, when you do it in his name. He said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. He gave to you the power of attorney to sign his name the legal right to use the name of Jesus. So that it's not, when you're asking for this, it's not based upon my standing uh, apart from Christ with God or your standing or, or my accomplishments or your accomplishments, but it is all based upon the power of the blood of Christ and the workings of Christ and the defeat of the devil that Christ himself accomplished. So when you come and you're signing that with your, with your tongue by saying in the name of Jesus, then what God sees and what the devil sees is everything that Jesus is and everything that Jesus has done. So he's kind of clouded by that to see what's going on with, with you, like what mistakes you made. Those are removed. That's why the devil has blinded... The minds of those who would believe because if anybody could see this with their spirits they'd come running to jesus amen. amen stand with me if you would heavenly father we thank you for your word we thank you that you sent your word and you've set us free with your word father we thank you for complete freedom complete health uh complete prosperity that every area of our lives you have provided for and you've made a way. Father, we pray that you'd help us to have a guard over our lips that we won't just we won't speak what we feel but we'll speak what we believe, what you have established in our hearts. Thank you so much for your spirit that you said he'd remind us of the things that you have said to us that we don't have to even rely on our own memory but the Holy Spirit will help us That he's always, always there in our time of need. That actually he's come to live forever within us. That from this side of heaven and the other side of heaven, we have the same helper. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and you'd like to, uh, I invite you just to slip up your hand. We'll pray with you and pray for you. There is a life after this. And you're going to spend it somewhere. And God's desire is that you spend it forever with Him. Hallelujah. If you're here and you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, but you'd like to be, there is experience after salvation called the baptism of the Holy Spirit the evidence of speaking in other tongues, that you yield your tongue to the Lord and he gives you words to speak, filled to overflowing, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you. If you hear this morning you'd like to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, slip up your hand. If you hear this morning and you were living for the Lord, but you let other things come in and drown out the word and drown out your relationship, uh, your fellowship rather, with the Lord, and you'd like to come back into fellowship with the Lord. Slip up your hand. We'll pray with you and we'll pray for you. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a good God and all of your ways are good. Thank you that you have ordained uh, our lips to be full of your praises. And Father, this week, I pray as we go that you would stir within every heart the words to speak. Father, that we meditate your word day and night, that you give us things to chew on that bring life, that bring freedom to the lives of others, freedom to our own life. We thank you that uh, he whom your son has set free is really free. Thank you, Father, for the freedom that we have in Christ. We thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you for giving us your word to carry and your glory. We pray, Father, as we go this week, that you give us great opportunities to show your love and bring your life to those we come in contact with. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.